0: And John, like any person who really knows somebody and a true friend, is going to say, whoa, wait a minute, I know that guy. I mean, I really know that guy, and I want to set the record straight concerning Jesus Christ. That's what 1 John is all about. It's about John setting the record straight in his time and for all time about Jesus Christ and about the things that you and I, who believe in Jesus Christ, can be certain of. He uses the word know, K-N-O-W, more than any other New Testament writer. One of the things that John wants to sort of cement into our life is the fact that there's a lot in life we can't know, but there are some things that God has revealed to us, that we can know and that those are the things we need to build our life on we need to cling to especially when we're struggling and times are tough so you will see as you read through the book of first John you will see that word know or come to know many times but obviously we're going to start at the beginning tonight of the book we go verse by verse through the Bible I think it's the best way to learn and study the Bible I've been doing it now for 35 years as a Christian 25 years as a pastor and here's what i tell folks listen studying the bible is not glamorous it's just sort of getting into it and you know getting dirty and getting down into it in fact that's one of the reasons why we call this tuesday night bible study the mind because it's like miners who go down into the into the mines and and there's a lot of great treasure down there a lot of great gems but sometimes we got to put forth a little effort and get down and get dirty in order to unearth all of those gems and all of those treasures so there's nothing glamorous, if you will, about studying the Bible, but there's nothing that's going to, in, and I think, improve our walk with God, encourage us in our walk with God, help us to grow, help us to become all that God created us to be more than our relationship with the Bible. In fact, I've never met a growing, dynamic Christian who doesn't have a healthy relationship with the Bible. Never met anyone like that. So I just want to applaud and commend all of you who are here tonight. Because just by the mere fact you are here tonight says, I think, to God, to others, it's important for me. I, I, I am not satisfied where I'm at in my walk with God, and my understanding of the Bible. I want more. And God will so meet us when we have that kind of an attitude. In fact, we're going to see that tonight. What I'd like to do to begin tonight, though, is just read... The first four verses of 1 John chapter 1, you can follow along in your Bible. I should have said this up front, too, since we're starting a new semester. I use what's called the Net Bible, N-E-T. It is a cross between the New International Version, the NIV, and the New American Standard. Because I get asked that question almost after every time someone hears me for the first time. What translation are you using? But it's very close to the NIV, very close to the New American Standard. I just started using it when it came out about five years ago. I love it. You can purchase these Bibles at our bookstore right here at Cornerstone, but that's the only place locally that you can purchase them. We have a special agreement with the company who manufactures these Bibles, and we're the only local distributor of the net Bible here in the Phoenix area. So it's a good Bible, but obviously it's not the only Bible. What I tell people is, the best Bible is the one you'll read. That's the best Bible. All right, 1 John chapter 1. This is what we proclaim to you, what was from the beginning, what we heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. And the life was revealed and we have seen and testify and announced to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we announce to you too so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. Thus we are writing these things so that our joy, yours and mine, may be complete. In fact, in the fourth verse of the very first chapter, John tells us why he's writing this book. So that our joy can be complete. And we're going to talk about that later on. But first of all, notice throughout these four verses, how John feels a a compelling, a burning, a passion to get out the right information about Jesus. I mean, he talks about in verse 1, proclaiming. In verse 2, testifying and announcing. Verse 3, announcing. Verse 4, finally writing it down. I got to get this out. Because John says, I've heard so much misinformation about God, about having a relationship with God, about fellowship with God, and walking with God in Jesus Christ. I need to set the record straight. Because this isn't something of any casual importance. These are things of eternal importance. These are things that's going to affect human beings' destinies eternally and affect their whole life here on earth. And God has revealed himself to us in the form of Jesus Christ, so that we can experience the highest life possible. We're going to talk about that tonight, but first I want you to see this. First of all, notice in verse 1 that the main thing that John is trying to communicate here is that everything he's passing on to us comes firsthand. That, that this isn't like three or four generations this, this isn't something being passed through 10 different people and getting mixed up in the translation, the old phone game where you send a message and after it gets like to 10 people, it's totally different than when it started out. No, John is saying, notice in verse 1, look, guys, I was there. I am a first-hand witness to Jesus Christ, to who he is. Notice he says, I heard him. In fact, we heard him. I audibly heard the voice of God in Jesus Christ. We have seen him with our eyes. We have looked at him. Now, you might say, well, what's the difference between seeing him and looking at him? A little bit of a nuance. In the Greek language, looking there, that second time he uses the word, he means a little bit more careful and close examination. In other words, it's not just seeing and then you know, moving my eyes onto something else, it's like, okay, I'm going to take some time to check this out. I'm going to sit back. I'm really going to examine. I'm really going to be careful about this. I'm really going to look more closely. I'm going to put Jesus Christ, if you will, under my microscope and check this man out and all of his claims and I've seen his miracles and all of this. And so he's saying how up close and firsthand his witness is. Notice he even says, and our hands have touched, we touched God in Jesus Christ. So what John is saying, I'm passing on to you, comes first-hand eyewitness testimony. There is nothing more powerful than first-hand eyewitness testimony. Many of the false teachers and false prophets that were going around in the first century spreading misinformation about Jesus Christ never even met Jesus Christ. They heard about him through family members and friends, and they formed their own opinions without ever checking him out and what he claimed and who he really was. And so John is making a very powerful statement right at the beginning. He's saying, guys, if you want to know Jesus Christ, then listen to me. Because no one on earth was as close to Jesus Christ as I was. I was right there. I saw every miracle that Jesus Christ did after I was called to be a disciple. I heard the, the great sermons of Jesus. I, I saw how he lived every day. I can truly be a first-hand witness. But here's something very important I want to pass on to you all tonight to encourage you. I believe God wants all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, even some 2,000 years after he left and went back to heaven, to also have a first-hand experience. And even though you and I do not exist in a time where maybe, yeah, we, we don't have Jesus Christ physically... Walking with us through life to where we could just put our arm around him. But yet the Bible teaches that if I believe in Jesus Christ, I have one better. I have God through the person of the Holy Spirit living within me. And I have the very words of God to guide me every day of my life. And that my faith in no way, Peter even said in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, is in no way inferior to even the disciples' faith. In other words, Peter's saying that you all who came after us, who could not physically touch Jesus or see Jesus or hear Jesus, your faith and the foundation of your faith and your life is in no way inferior to those of us like John and myself who actually were there. In fact, Jesus even said to Thomas, when Thomas was doubting and Jesus appeared to Thomas, he said, Thomas, It's great that you believe, but you believe because you've seen. Jesus says there will be a special blessing from God, of God, to those who haven't seen, and yet they still believe. And that's you and me. See, God even has a special blessing in store for those of us who don't get, in a sense, maybe the privilege of having the physical Jesus right there beside of us. But God, no no less wants you and I to have a first-hand relationship with them so what I mean by that is don't settle as a Christian even today to hear how other people are being led by God in their lives God wants to lead you too and don't settle as a Christian for hearing how how God shows other Christians great and wonderful things out of the Bible God wants to show you great and wonderful things too and don't settle hearing how God is answering and working through other Christians' prayer lives, God wants to answer your prayers and work through your prayer life too. You see, God wants us all as believers in Jesus Christ to have a first-hand, first-rate-there relationship with Him. Is that what you're experiencing? Or are you, like so many of us, Living off the scraps and the crumbs that drop from other Christians' tables, or everything that we get from God is always secondhand. We never dive in firsthand and experience God on that level. That's what God is calling us to. Now, listen, obviously, there's nothing wrong with coming to the Mind Bible study. But let's face it, there's nothing better than you opening up your own Bible. And God speaking to you and showing things to you out of the word of God. Yes, second hand or, or getting taught and being part of Bible studies. That's all part of what God is calling us to as Christians. But God does, says, don't settle only for the second hand stuff. Don't settle only for what's falling from other Christians' tables as they walk with God and experience God firsthand. You go after him firsthand, too. You have that close experience with him, too. And it's possible for every believer in Jesus Christ on this earth to have a firsthand experience so that we can say, we sense God, we know God, we Hear God speaking to us. We, those are all experiences that every Christian can have, not just some elite group of Christians, not just certain kind, not just pastors, not just Bible teachers, but every Christian can have a first-hand experience with God. We are all, the Bible says in the New Testament, priests of God. Therefore, all of us have equal access to God. There is no Christian who has an inside track to God that some other Christian doesn't. The blood of Jesus Christ has opened the way for every one of us in this room to have an open way to God anytime we want. And so I think one of the things that John is saying in verse 1 is, don't settle for second hand. Don't settle for the scraps. Don't settle for the crumbs. Come after God and come after him first hand in your life. Experiencing him at that level, maybe for the very first time in your Christian life, and even maybe being encouraged to do so for the very first time in your Christian life. Verse 2. Notice he says, and the life was revealed, which was important. Because, again, God, uh, John is sort of setting forth a case here, if you will. And he's saying, look, my witness is reliable because it was firsthand. And if you don't even buy my witness, realize something. That the God of this universe, in the form of Jesus Christ, stepped forth into time and space. Therefore, his life and everything about his life, everything connected with him, could be corroborated and verified. I mean, folks... We're not gonna take the time to do this tonight. Do it on your own, ask me about it, whatever. The Bible's not the only ancient writing that talks about Jesus Christ and corroborates the events of Jesus' life. There are Roman historians like Tacitus and Suetonius, Pliny, the governor of Rome, writes about jesus christ and everything those historians write who were not christians by the way they were not followers of christ just corroborate and verify what the bible says or how about jewish historians like josephus and others there's tons of ancient extra-biblical literature out there that verify and corroborate what the bible says And, and i mean even our own Dating system and calendar system verifies that yeah, there was a guy named Jesus Christ who stepped forth into time and space and he turned the world upside down because we are living now in the year 2009 And even though there are people who still try to change that and bypass that our whole calendar system is based on the coming of Jesus Christ into this world and that history basically is divided into two segments History before Jesus stepped foot on the earth and history after Jesus set foot on the earth. You and I can't escape Jesus because it is historical fact, and that's what John is saying. But notice also, he says, and what we have seen and testified and announced to you, it's about eternal life. Eternal life that is embodied in a person because notice he says, this eternal life was with the Father and was revealed to us he's talking about Jesus Christ now in the first verse the, the key word there was firsthand if if I had to pick a key word in the second verse it would be the word fulfilled or fulfillment because God sent Jesus Christ to this earth so that you and I as human beings could really understand and know what it's like to live a life that is fulfilled to live a life of fulfillment. To, to experience life at a whole different level. It's not that people can't experience life without Jesus Christ. But what John is saying is the very best life. The, the very life that God intended for us to, Is only found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, there's two words for life in the Greek language. There's the word bios, where we get our word biology from. The study of life. Which simply speaks about physical existence. My brain's functioning, my heart's beating, I'm alive. But we all know that there are people on this earth who are physically alive, but they're not alive. They're not experiencing life at its highest level. Jesus came and was revealed to us so that you and I could have life at a whole different level. That's why he said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly abundant life. It is life on a higher plane. So the Greek word used here and throughout the New Testament to describe the life that you and I have with God is the Greek word zoe, z-o-e. And that word speaks about the real essence of life, the kind of life that God wants every human being to experience, the kind of life that he created us to know. The problem is many people don't ever Get to know that kind of life because they're disconnected to the only one that can help them experience that life, Jesus Christ. So tonight, let's be reminded that God not only wants us to have a first-hand relationship with him, but he wants us to experience what it really means to live. I mean, to be alive. And I think that when you and I are alive, it's what are we alive to? And God wants to come into our life and so take over our life that it really does give us a purpose for living. We begin to understand why we're here, where do we come from, what's our purpose, where we're going. That kind of energy, that kind of knowledge, if you will, that kind of confidence, I don't know about you, but man, that's what gets me up in the morning and gets me going. That's what makes me hop out of bed even early in the morning. Because I, I, I'm excited about the prospects of the day of walking another day with my God and experiencing life on a whole other level. I can't wait to see what God has for me today. That's the kind of life God wants every believer in Jesus Christ to experience. And I want you, maybe for the very first time even in your Christian life, to say, that's the kind of life I want. I'm going after that life this semester. I'm going after that life for the rest of this year. I really want to experience all that God has for me. And the rest of our study in 1 John is going to share with us how we do that. Verse 3. What we have seen and heard we announce to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Third main word. First word, first hand, verse 1. Second word, fulfilled or fulfillment, verse 2. Third word, fellowship, verse 3. Fellowship is a word that we use in church circles and around with each other a lot. Let's come to an understanding of fellowship tonight. I grew up in church. That doesn't mean I was a Christian. I just grew up in church. So from the time I was a little child, I knew what fellowship was all about. It was about a bunch of food and people sitting around eating at church. That's what fellowship meant to me. People brought food. We ate till we were stuffed. We went home. That was fellowship. Fellowship, yeah, So they like that fellowship. Fellowship, and we're going to see this, maybe not tonight, maybe next week. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I've got to go there in order to understand a little bit about verse 3. Fellowship is not something that we schedule. It's not an appointment that we put on our calendar. I'm, we're having fellowship this today. Fellowship is something that is created as you and I walk with God and walk with others who are walking with God. Let me point that out real quickly. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself, God, is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You see, fellowship is something that is created as you and I walk with God and walk with others who are walking with God in the light. So here's what John is saying. John is saying one of the main reasons why Jesus Christ came is so that we could have fellowship with one another. See, isn't it interesting that He doesn't first say fellowship with God. Because what John wants to point out that's very important is that you and I cannot be in fellowship with God if we are not in fellowship with other believers in Christ who are walking with God. Fellowship with God, according to the Bible, is fellowshipping with other believers. This verse alone contradicts what many people out there today say hey I don't need to go to church and I don't need to hang around other Christians and I can worship God and and know God by myself and I don't need anybody else no the Bible teaches us none of us are to be lone ranger Christians out there all alone trying to navigate life all by ourselves. God created us for fellowship and the word fellowship koinonia comes from the concept of having things in common Way I understand it is we're on the same page and in order to walk with God obviously I got to be on the same page with God and in order to walk with other believers We've got to be on the same page. We've got to agree together That's what creates unity That's what great say teams are all about people coming together And focusing on a common goal that they can set forth and go after and achieve together. And when they all come on the same page, things happen. Folks, right here in the valley, and because it's almost the start of football season, I'm okay with this, right? We all saw this actually take place before our eyes last year with our own Arizona Cardinals. They were going through the season... Yeah, they were winning more games than they usually had, but nobody thought Super Bowl team. And then they went east, and they literally got kicked, if you will, and got embarrassed. And somewhere on that plane ride back to Phoenix, and hitting the practice field that next week, something happened in the psyche of the Arizona Cardinals. And maybe up to that point, many of the players on that team were all about themselves and selfish goals and looking out for number one. And, and, all, and somewhere along the line, something happened to where all of those guys on that team said, you know what? That's not what it's about. It's about all of us coming together and working together towards a common goal. And after that, their play was different. After that, we all know, their season was different. After that, they achieved something that no cardinal team had ever achieved. They played and almost won in the Super Bowl. Now, I'm talking about a a football team. I'm not even talking about anything spiritual. But the principle is the same. That when a group of people get on the same page and begin to work together towards a common goal, that's how fellowship is created that, that's how that commonality is created. And it's only created as we all begin to walk with God in his light and walk together in that light. That's fellowship. And that's why Jesus came. See, Jesus wants us to be in groups. Jesus wants us to be in community. Because Jesus understands, as the creator of everything, the dynamic that all of us can be stronger than one of us by ourselves. All of us can be smarter than just us alone. All of us can help mutually encourage each other. And instead of feeling like I'm out there trying to face life all by myself, no, I'm part of a family. I'm part of a team. I'm part of something bigger than myself. It's called fellowship. And that's why in verse 4, he says, that's why we're writing these things, so that our joy, yours and mine, can be absolutely complete. Just simply meaning, it just continues to grow to the point of actually overflowing. And we experience the joy of God that, again, God wants every human being to experience. But the only way I can experience that joy is this way. Well, let me start here. I'm going to back up a little bit. Let me first talk about that word joy, again, that we throw around a lot. Joy is an attitude. It's not an action. It's an attitude. It's an inner attitude in my life. It's how I face life. And what God wants to create in my life is an attitude that will be able to face whatever life brings. In a sense, to create a fearlessness, to create an attitude that will face life and help me to rise above the circumstances that come my way, that will help me to rise above my failures, that will help me to rise above my fears, that will help me to rise above my doubts and discouragement and despair. That's what joy is. Joy is that inner attitude that God wants us to have as we face life. And God wants us to know that joy. But here's the only way you and I can have that kind of attitude to face life with every day. We have to depend on God and his grace. Let me share with you tonight how close joy and grace are. The Greek word for joy is the word kara, c h. A-R-A. The Greek word for grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. In fact, to the Greeks many times, they are one and the same. They are used interchangeably. That's how close they are. Now, stay with me here. This is important and I think will be an encouragement to you. God's grace is God's help, His divine enablement, His empowerment in our lives. And so here, notice what John is saying, something very important. If I want to experience joy, in this attitude of being able to face life no matter what life brings, then what I need to learn to do is to depend on God throughout everything in my life to invite God into my life every step of the way, whether it's good times, bad times, struggles, or whether things are good, whatever it is, that God wants me to learn how to, again, invite Him in to depend upon Him each and every day for life. And as I do that, I will experience joy. Because whether I'm going through good times, God is there. And God will even enrich the good times that are happening in my life. And even make the good times better. Because again, it's not that those without Jesus Christ in their life can't live a good life. It's simply the Bible says if you and I want to experience life as it was really meant to be lived. Life on the highest plane, the greatest life, the best life, that only comes through Jesus Christ. Other people can have a good life. They can even have a great life, but not the greatest life. That only comes through Jesus Christ. So as you and I learn to depend on God, His grace to get me up, to face the day, to go through trials and tribulations and struggles and all of that, I will experience His joy. And here's how that's really manifested because we don't really think about it in the good times, but here's how we think about it in the bad times. If I'm facing a battle in my life, How do I have joy facing the battle? Because I know I'm not going to face that battle alone. That I'm facing that battle with God. God's right there. So it's going to be God and me facing that battle together. And that's why I can have joy. I can have that attitude of fearlessness and confidence because I know as I stand before that battlefield, I'm not going out there on that battlefield alone. The God of the universe is going with me. That's what gives me joy. That's why David could walk out to the battlefield and face the giant Goliath because he said, the battle's the Lord's. I'm not going out to fight this giant by myself. I'm depending on the Lord and His grace. Therefore, David was filled with joy. When Moses finally got it after God had to convince him that he was going to send him back and help him to be the one to deliver God's people out of slavery in Egypt... He realized, you know, I can do this, and I can even do it with joy because I know that when I go back to Egypt, I'm not doing this by myself. God is going with me. Oh, not only that, He's going to give me some helpers, some other human beings like Aaron who are in fellowship with God. Therefore, we are in fellowship with God. So I'm not going to face Pharaoh by myself. I'm not going to face the Red Sea by myself. I'm going to face them with God. The three Hebrew children... And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were able to go into the fiery furnace because they didn't go into the furnace alone. There was a fourth person in that furnace with them. He was, I believe, God himself, not just an angel. And God is sharing with us. This is how we can have joy, even in the midst of battles, obstacles, struggles, and trials in life. Not because the trial is fun in and of itself, I mean, Paul and Silas, when they were thrown in prison in the book of Acts, the Bible says when they were thrown in there, they started singing praises and started worshiping God. And they were filled with joy. And you and I go, how do they have that kind of attitude? They had that attitude because when they were locked up in that prison, when they were thrown in that prison, they knew that even in that dark, dank, damp prison, they weren't in there alone. God was with them and the prayers of the saints were with them and they were going to stand there as a group and they were going to fight this together. That's what gives us joy. So folks, don't miss this. God is, is asking John to write this to us so that we can have joy even during the toughest times of life because even in those times we all need to acknowledge and remind ourselves and recognize something. That as long as we keep depending on God to get us every step of the way, we are not taking one step apart from God. And think about this. How many of us as Christians, if we physically had Jesus Christ walking through the day with us, maybe putting his arm around us and going, okay, Jeff, let's go out the door. Come on. Let's face the day this morning. What one of us, I don't know. I'd be like, man, I'm ready to face anything. he's, He's right here. Jesus is here with me. Bring it on, world. Jesus is standing here with me. Folks, again, we've got to remind ourselves we've got one better. The God of the universe in the person of the Holy Spirit is not just beside us. He's in us, and we can face anything with joy because of the help and the enablement and the support and the strength that God gives to us. That's why Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, says, The joy of the Lord, and if you know it, say it, the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Again, that verse might not seem logical if we don't understand the connection between what John is saying about joy and the connection between joy and grace. And how all we have to do is learn to depend upon God and invite Him into our lives every step of the way. And when we do that, when the good times come, they're going to be even better because God and us are experiencing all this together. And when the bad times, when the tough times... When the struggles come, yeah, we can face those with joy too. Because God will enable us to rise above those circumstances knowing that I'm not facing what I'm facing on my own. God is standing with me. Folks, if you take nothing from tonight, take that, that as you walk out of this auditorium tonight, as you walk off that campus tonight, as you go home and get ready for Wednesday morning tomorrow that whatever you have to face, whether you know about it or not, for the rest of this week, you do not go alone. You do not walk alone. The God of the universe who loved you and I so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, he goes with you, folks. That's how our joy can be complete. Okay, the wind was blowing here and I lost my place. Verse 5. This is the gospel message we've heard from him and announced to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Why talk about this at this point? Because it's all flowing together. If I want to experience joy... All I need to do is depend on God. And I want to be in fellowship with God. I, I want to be on the same page with God. And when I'm on the same page with God, I'm going to experience that closeness. It's not that God ever walks away from us, but if we choose to walk out into the darkness or walk into the darkness, folks, and it's the only other way I can say it, God's not going to walk into the darkness with us. God doesn't come to the dark side when you and I do. Now God gives us all a choice as human beings, Christian or not, we can choose to walk into the darkness anytime we want. But all God is saying is, and all John is reminding us is, God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. So if you and I want to be in fellowship with God, if we want to be on the same page with God, if we want to sense His closeness, if we want to experience life as it was meant to be, life on the very highest plane, the greatest life, the eternal life, then we got to continue to walk with God in the light instead of in the darkness. Now, he's going to talk next week. We're going to get into next week. Okay, so, but Jeff, I sin. I mess up. I make mistakes. What about that? John has provision for that, but you're going to have to hold off till next week. But I think we can get there a little bit this week because notice he goes on to say in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet keep walking on in the darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. In other words, there were people even in John's day, just like today, who say, I'm close to God. Me and God, we're like this. God's my best buddy. We do everything together, you know. And yet they were walking in darkness. And John's saying, you know, first of all, Our lips can say anything. We all know that. Other people's lips can say anything. It's our life that really is the test of reality. And so John is saying, look, people can claim anything. People can say anything. They can say they're close to God. They can say they know God. But the bottom line is, very black and white, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And if I'm saying I'm on the same page with God, then that means I've got to be walking in his light. Because if I'm walking at all in the darkness, there's no way God and I are on the same page. Because again, God won't come over to the dark side. He's holy. In fact, if God came over to the darkness at all, He would cease to be the God that you and I know is revealed in the Bible. But here's the encouraging thing. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. First of all, one of the consequences of you and I walking in the light is that when you and I then walk in the light of God and in the light that he gives and we find other Christians who are willing to go after God at that same level and walk in that light too, oh my goodness, the bond that takes place between those Christians. Because again, There are some Christians, at least for that moment or season in their life, they might not be walking in the light. They might be walking in the darkness at this point. And all John is saying is not that they lost their salvation, it's simply that at this point, this Christian who's walking in the light and this Christian who's walking in the darkness can't really be in fellowship from a biblical definition because they're not on the same page at this point in their life. But think what John is saying, though, from the flip side of that. Take two Christians or two families or a group of people this size or a whole church where everybody in the church says, let's walk in the light of God. Let's bask in the light of God. Let's just come out into the light of God and let's begin to walk together in the light of God. Oh my goodness, when that group gets together, there's something special going on there. That's the kind of fellowship, if you will, that the early church in the book of Acts had. That's why the Bible says that group of people turned the world upside down. Man, they impacted their world because they came together, they walked in the light of God, and therefore God not only was, was, you know, they were sensing such a close relationship with Him, but they were sensing a closeness and relationships with other believers that they never had before. Folks, we are living in a world today where even Christians are dying. They are desperate for relationships in their life. I can't tell you even at a church like Cornerstone where we had over 7,000 people again on the church campus this last Sunday. How many people are here even in the midst of all this crowd and yet they're lonely because they don't have a friend, a, a close, somebody that they're truly walking in the light of God and they're walking with one another and that's what we need to experience. That's what God wants us to experience. That's the very desire of God's heart. That we would cement these wonderful relationships as all of us begin to walk in the light together and not only experience God on a whole different level, but experience what real relationships are supposed to be about. Because I think all of us in this room have had enough of relationships that are hurtful, painful, abusive, wrong. We're looking for healthy, safe right relationships and God says it can happen when a group of people walk in my light and then they all buy into that light and they begin to walk together. But notice something else very cool. John says in verse 7 even if I do step into the darkness as a Christian every once in a while then I need to come back to the light always. Because I need to remind myself Every day, probably, what the end of verse 7 says. That the blood of Jesus Christ was so powerful, is so powerful. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it can purify and cleanse us from 70% of our sin? 80% of our sin? No. My Bible says all of my sin. I don't know about you, but that's a hallelujah moment for me. All, and I just tell people as far as studying the Bible, one of the first rules of interpreting the Bible is all means all, and that's all all means. But see, here's the rub. In our head, we know that. We we know that that's the whole reason why Jesus went up to the cross to shed his blood and die for us because his blood can cleanse us and purify us from all sin. Yet it is our propensity as a human being to hide in the dark when we've done something wrong. We rationalize, we make excuses, we hide. And listen, this goes back, way back to our very first ancestors. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid from God. Instead of coming out into his light and just saying, God, we messed up, they hid. And they tried to provide covering for themselves through sowing fig leaves together. And God said, sorry, that provision won't work. But I can make a provision that will work. And God handed them skins of animals which even all the way back in the book of Genesis was a foreshadowing that it was without the shedding of blood, there would be no taking away of sin. And that's why all the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, it pointed to the fact of what depth and and how important it was that someone be willing to give up their life to deal with sin. And ultimately, the Lamb of God who could take away all the sin of the world came to this earth 2,000 years ago so that our sin could be properly and forever put away and dealt with. But here's the problem. You and I sin, and we run into the dark even further. It's like we we took a step in the dark, we made a mistake, and instead of coming back to the light and just letting God's light expose us, we don't want to be exposed. Even though, again, in our heads, we know God knows everything about us. God sees everything we do. God even knows our thoughts even more than anything else. God knows us inside and out. But somehow I think we deceive ourselves into thinking, I can hide from everybody else and I think I can hide this from God. And so we take even a further step into the darkness instead of coming into his light. And the the great message tonight of the scriptures here in 1 John is this. God is saying, look, even if you did sin, Even if you did fall, even if you did fail, Jeff, Come into the light, because if you're willing to come into the light, then I can deal with it, and I can make provision, and I can put your life back together, and I can take all those broken pieces of your life that you've done to yourself, and we can work with that. But I can't work with it, Jeff, as long as you stay in the darkness. you got to come to me and come to the light. Come just as you are. Give me your life, Jeff, and all your brokenness, and all your anxiety, and everything you struggle with, Jeff. Don't hide it from me any longer. Come to the light, and let me, the Lord Jesus, transform your life, heal your life. Deliver you from everything Don't keep going into the dark Jeff Come into the light And let God finally and forever Heal you Jeff And that's what God's calling all of us to do Again that's not the natural thing to do The natural thing to do Is when we mess up We take a step further into the darkness Instead of coming out into the light And yet, the Bible says God knows everything about us and still loves us anyway. God can't love you and I any more today than He did yesterday or ten years ago. And God can love you and I no less today or in the future than He ever has before. His love has always been constant and unconditional. That's why God is saying, child, don't hide in the darkness. I can't help you, Jeff, if you stay in the darkness. You've got to be willing to come to me because I am the light and I have no fellowship with darkness. You come to me in the light and I'll, I'll make provision. I'll deal with whatever the mess is in your life, but you've got to come to me and let me deal with it. Stop hiding, Jeff. Stop making excuses, Jeff. Stop rationalizing, Jeff. Just own it. Just accept it. I can deal with it. One of the things I remind myself is of is this as a Christian. My sins are more pardonable to God than the excuses that I use to hide them. God is just simply saying, Jeff, when you sin, when you mess up, just own it. Just come out and say, God, I I messed up. Let's work with this. And God says, fine, Jeff, let's work with this. I don't like what you did, but I can certainly work with this. Because you've been willing to come to the light. And you've been willing to put your faith in action. And you truly, by coming into the light, you're showing me that you truly do believe that the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, can purify and cleanse from all sin. That word is a word that also speaks about a removal of guilt. As human beings, guilt can be a weight. Guilt can be something that we carry around all our lives for the things that we've done. And the Bible is saying that one of the things the blood of Jesus Christ wants to do in our lives is to remove that guilt, to set us free. In fact, the blood of Jesus Christ is able to remove any impediment, any obstacle to having a face-to-face fellowship on the same page relationship with God. It can do it. Even if we've walked away from God into the darkness, I mean, even if we were the one human being that that went into the darkness further than any other human being ever went into the darkness away from God, there is no human being that's ever went so far into the darkness that the light that God is could not deliver, could not rescue, could not bring out of the light, forgive, and make whole. And if God could do that with the worst, God can do it with anyone. God wants to do it with you. Won't you come to the light? Begin to experience God in a whole new way. Begin to experience God firsthand. Don't settle for always the secondhand scraps from other Christians and whatnot. God wants you and Him to be there. God wants you to experience life at its fullest, fulfillment. I mean, life like you and I've never experienced it before. He wants us to be in fellowship with Him and with other people who are walking in the light with us. And God wants us to do all this so that we can also experience joy. I mean real joy. The kind of joy that's connected with grace that is going to be willing to have an attitude where we get up every day and it doesn't matter what we're dealing with at the time or what life throws our way. We know That whatever we are going to step out and face, the God of the universe is going to be right there with me, in me, around me, surrounding me, and we're going to go through this together and there is nothing that you and God cannot get through together. If God is for you, the Bible says, then who can stand against you? And you and I need to leave here with this kind of assurance, with this kind of knowledge, with this kind of confidence, and keep living on it and depending on it in the days ahead. Yeah, we're living in tough days. But God says, I can make you tougher. I can make you stronger. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And none of us are going to face anything in life alone. God says, I go with you, my child. Folks, we're just getting started. I hope you'll come back next week because we've got a wonderful semester to dive into this wonderful book of 1 John. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for impacting John's life in such a way that John was compelled and moved to share it with us. God, may we have such a walk with you and experience you at such a level that we can't hold it in, that we can't keep it to ourselves, but that we want to share the kind of life that we are experiencing with others. Others who are in the darkness of hopelessness, the darkness of sin, the darkness of despair, the darkness of loneliness. And Lord, we have the words of life and light, and you are calling people out of the darkness into your marvelous life. God, may we be that light as well. God, do something special this semester in the mine on Tuesday nights. Cement hearts this semester here. And maybe even begin to build an army of people here on Tuesday night, God, that will take new ground for you in the world in which we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, real quick reminder for those of you that weren't here earlier when I mentioned it, once a month we're going to have after the mind what we're calling a mind mingle. From 8 to 9, we're going to have refreshments in the lobby out there and let you get to know each other and I'd like to get to know you too. We're going to do that next week after the mine is over. If you can help us with refreshments, would you please sign up at the information table out there and just remember... Come back next week and bring a friend. Thanks, guys. Love you. Have a great week.